After a busy and stressful week at work, I decided to leave town for a weekend away from everything and drove a few hours north of the city to my family's cabin to have some quiet and peaceful time alone. I pulled into the frosted driveway just as the amber glow of the fading sun was vanishing over the hills and treetops. After a simple but tasty dinner of chili and cornbread, I washed my bowl in the sink and looked out at the night sky. A warm fire crackled behind me to the rhythm of a quiet tune that played softly from my phone. For the first time in quite a long time, the night sky above the Midwest was free of the murky clouds that blanketed the sky on cold nights such as these. Above, the stars shone brightly and abundant. I paused for a moment. Then I found myself trudging out through the snow to gaze up into the night at the infinite swirl of blues, blacks, and purples peppered with the brilliance of billions of tiny lights. Outside, where the world was still and silent, beautiful diamonds of white shone stationary in the endless pitch above. I started to lose myself to the possibilities of the universe when something caught my attention nearby. An odd teeming wavered to my right beyond dark pine branches. As I turned to focus on it, I noticed a grouping of three appearing to hover not far from the ground. After a moment of pulsing, the lights faded to nothing and eventually quit. In their absence, I knew in my heart they weren't yet gone. A shadow lurked beyond still. In that moment the woods fell silent also, and it dawned upon me as the chill of winter grazed a kiss on my warm cheek with the gentle breeze in the solemn darkness of the woods. Though I came here to retreat into the quiet and peaceful solitude I longed for, I may not actually be alone. familiar with your surroundings as you step so surely on, but tonight is different. The snap of a twig catches you off guard, and you begin to hear something. It's low at first, but there's something there. 
you know you can hear it. Though the fear within you courses through your being, screaming for you to run and find safety, something else is there inside, compelling your curiosity and making you hesitate. Something inside wants to know. You're listening to Whispers in the Night. Welcome back to Whispers in the Night, the podcast that combines fact, fiction, and folklore to dissect the topics of the paranormal, the unexplained, and, in many cases, explore the things that we fear most as human beings. And how we do that here on the show is pretty simple. Each episode of this podcast will typically cover a specific topic, fear, or case from the Midwest, and we will bring it to you through fact, which is usually interviews and discussion, fiction, which is an audio drama production of a chilling story related or regarding the episode topic, and when I say folklore, what I mean is we take a dive into history, legends, myth, and the sort. All of these things to give you, my listeners, a well-rounded experience of the paranormal, supernatural, and unexplained. My name is Sang Pangduangdet. Welcome to the show. It has been quite some time. So, what's new with me? Where have I been, you might be asking. Well, I tell you, some time ago I started a paranormal team. I gathered like-minded individuals from my area who were interested in looking beyond the veil. Our team is made up of seasoned investigators, a couple of newbies, and even skeptics to provide a service for our community. Over the past several months, we've been through some good times, we've been through some bad times as a team, and we've been through a couple of awkward moments, too. Don't say that. Hello? <laughs> How's it going? Good. Bad. We're a ghost out. hunting group. <laughs> <laughs> I thought some shit like that was going to be going on. You guys must know the ghost hunting story, though. Um, the park closes at 10, right? Dark hunting. Oh, okay. Okay. Crazy. Oh, I'm gonna roll out. So. Okay. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you. Thank you for you. stopping. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I also went on a few road trips in the meantime. Uh, back in May, I got to see what Arizona's all about. Uh, let me tell you, for a place that was originally one of the last places I ever wanted to visit, Arizona is one of those that I really can't wait very much longer to go back to. Beautiful scenery beautiful experiences, beautiful people, but most of all, beautiful, beautiful food. In August, I got to meet actor and comedian Chris Gethard, who is the host of one of my favorite podcasts, Beautiful Anonymous. I got to meet him in Minneapolis at one of his comedy shows. I had a great time enjoying some of his comedy. I even had the chance to meet him afterwards, which is one of my all-time cherished memories. Along with that, I got to have one of my questions answered. And I got a very cherished memento, an autograph for his new book, Lose Well. And, uh, what else? What else? Oh, most importantly, hey, I got married. October 19th was a pretty big day for me. I got to tie the knot with the incredibly unlucky lady who is now my wife. It was a great time. A whole bunch of family, friends, and loved ones. 
Uh, we had pizza because chicken and fish are overrated. We also had craft beer made from this incredible Scotsman who also officiated our wedding. What more could you ask for? And some other big news. Uh, we've rebooted the show, and you might be wondering what does that mean exactly? Well, stylistically, I wasn't really liking where the show was going, and I knew that I really needed to change. You know, after so many episodes of the show were released, I realized that I was just kind of dry reading my transcript from the episode, um, from episode to episode, and creating a podcast that sort of became a job when I meant it to be something fun. And with that, the show just stopped being consistent, and I kind of fell behind, and just being honest, I lost interest. If you're a listener of the original first season of the show, you might remember a little survey I put out uh, where I asked my listeners what they liked and disliked about the show. Many of you answered very honestly, and I appreciate that. Some wanted more interviews, some wanted more audio fiction, and some were like, hey, you don't really sound like you're having fun with your podcast, and that's why we're here to listen to it. And to all of that, I just wanted to say, noted. You spoke, and I heard what you had to say. I only hope that I can aim to impress going forward. Anyway, uh, I think that's enough catching up for now. In tonight's episode, we're going to talk about UFOs. Some pretty exciting stuff. Okay, so, in preparation for this episode, I held a microfiction contest on social media where I gave listeners the chance to submit a chilling piece using no more than 280 characters for some sweet prizes and a chance to be featured on the show. With several terrifying submissions, it was very difficult to choose from, but in the end, only three people could win. If you'd like to be a part of the next contest, just stay tuned until the end of the show and I'll give you some details. But until then, enjoy the first microfiction feature story for tonight's episode. This piece was submitted by Desdemona on Twitter. On a long drive through the countryside, our peace was broken. Their light shattered the calm. Their ship dominated our once majestic view. It stopped time. It paralyzed my voice. They took me to places unknown, and all at once, it was as if it was all imagined. Except the scar. How about that? How about that? That's the perfect way to dip your feet into tonight's episode. Uh, not only that, but we're also going to talk to you about an encounter that is very specific to the Midwest uh, that has made its mark on history. What case is that? you might be asking. Do you really want to know? Well, I tell you what, we'll get to that right after these nice, juicy promos. Did you like my show opener? <laughs> Why wouldn't you? It was the perfect setup that drew you in with these peaceful, warm, and cozy vibes, only to throw you off in the end with a shattering piece of horrific reality. How cruel, but perfect. You might be wondering who was behind that, who narrated that opener and lured you into this false sense of security. That was none other than the wonderful Catherine Nikolai of the podcast Nothing Much Happens, Bedtime Stories for Grown-Ups. Her voice is so peaceful and calming, and I tell you, her podcast really puts me to sleep. 
Now, it sounds like an insult, me saying that someone else's podcast puts me to sleep, but that's exactly what Catherine meant to do when creating it. She meant to help people get to sleep. Listen to Nothing Much Happens, Bedtime Stories for Grown-Ups. If you're like me, and you need a soothing voice to help you get to sleep at night, my wife and I swear by it, and it works like a charm for us every time. And even more so, even if you don't have trouble sleeping at night, maybe you just have high anxiety. I know I do at times. And you need someone to help you center yourself, to help you relax. Give that podcast a listen. Nothing much happens, bedtime stories for grown-ups. You can find it wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Do you like hearing all of that fact, fiction, and folklore goodness that I provide here on the show from episode to episode? Do you want to help me keep it going? Support the show! It's the best way to ensure the production of future episodes and bonus content. You can do that in a number of ways, too. Starting at just a dollar a month, you can support the show on Patreon in return for some sweet rewards. Uh, for example, at the $1 tier, you can start gaining early access to future episodes before anybody else. Patreon not quite your style? Maybe monthly isn't your thing. That's completely cool, and I get it. Uh, buy me a coffee. That's right, I said it. Who doesn't enjoy a cup of coffee to help one get into a caffeinated and creative space? With coffee, that's spelled K-O-F-I, you can do just that. You can buy me a single cup of coffee to keep me going. What else? What else? Oh yeah, you can leave a review. Let me know what you think of the show on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Not only does leaving me a review help to better my show, but it also helps like-minded listeners find whispers in the night by reflecting your thoughts and opinions for others to see. And, if you're feeling extra generous, you can also share the podcast on social media for your friends and family to see. And the beautiful thing about it, it is completely free. It costs nothing to be a wonderful human being and share the things you love. And we're back. And I just wanted to present this idea to you. I kind of wanted to paint a big picture to illustrate why uh, this title of the episode is Lights, semicolon, The Val Johnson Incident. It's for this very reason. Uh, just follow along with me on this one. In the Midwest alone, there are countless accounts of major UFO sightings. Maybe you've heard of a few. Rather than just kind of mashing a whole bunch of encounters and cases into one episode, I decided to just give them the banner Lights. And that way, each case has its own time and own episode. Anyway, from the very beginning of our species, human beings have been looking up to light as a source of hope and reassurance. It makes us feel safe. In the early days, mankind would huddle around a fire for warmth with our families and loved ones. The fire gave us comfort as the heat radiated out to us through the cold night. And the light we all sat around reassured us that we were safe. We were comforted physically, and even more mentally, as the light of a fire illuminated our surroundings and showed us that we had nothing to worry about. Now, even more so, as they sit upon land's very edge along the sea, enduring the waves and elements through treacherous storms and the darkest nights, lighthouses serve as a beacon to traveling ships in the dark, like a candle for the world. The light emits from upon a tall tower and radiates outward through the darkness. Travelers by sea would be able to find refuge and safety at first sight of a lighthouse's gleam. And there's more. 
There are studies, actually, that show that the chemicals in our brains respond and react to light on a deeper level than many of us might have thought. You see, things like sleep disorders and depression, along with anxiety and other conditions, have been observed to be treatable by way of light. The use of light in the medical field alone isn't only limited to what I mentioned either. By manipulation, light has also been used to treat skin conditions, wounds, and even cancer. Yes, I totally said cancer. So, with all of these things, the safety and reassurance, it is so easy to see why we as human beings think of it with so much positivity and find so much comfort in it. Didn't you have a nightlight as a kid? I know I did. But what happens when light becomes something that we fear? That's exactly the point that I want to get to in this episode. What happens when it becomes something that we fear? We usually think of light as something safe and nurturing. I bet you've never thought it to be something dangerous and harmful. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Val Johnson incident. 407, uh, what is your condition? I don't know. Something just hit my car. Are you, uh, what's your condition? Are you okay? Something attacked my car. I heard the glass breaking and the locks, the brake, brakes locked up. I don't know what's going on. Okay, for all the old uh, 406 It's a UFO encounter that happened in a little town called Stephen in Marshall County, Minnesota, and it's made its way into the top 10 most influential UFO encounters in history. Now, if you need an idea of where Stephen, Minnesota is, uh, I'll spell it out for you. Uh, The town of Stephen is located about 40 miles south of the Canadian border, and it's about 15 miles east of North Dakota. It's pretty much tucked away right in that upper left corner of the state if you've never been to or are familiar with Minnesota. Get it? Good. Now, the year is 1979 when this incident takes place. It's August. I'm guessing, uh, if I just had to guess, it's a pretty cool summer morning. Uh, It's an early morning. It's about uh, 1.40 a.m. as Deputy Sheriff Val Johnson is out on night patrol, making his rounds on an area of roadway along a section of State Highway 220 outside of Warren, Minnesota, just up in that region. Around this time, Johnson notices something odd just down the road from where he's driving. A very bright ball of light hovered not far from the ground, somewhere in the near distance. The object became clearer as he drove closer, and it came into full view. This object was about three to four feet from the ground. Uh, Johnson described seeing a bright, brilliant ball of light somewhere between 8 to 12 inches in diameter. Curious and incredibly confused, Val sped up to get a better view of this strange object, eventually hitting 55 miles an hour. As he approached, the object became much brighter. Eventually, Johnson's vehicle was so close that it it seemed as though his entire vehicle was engulfed in this brilliant light that he seemed to be chasing. The last thing that Val Johnson recalls is hearing the sound of his glass shattering. Then everything went black. The white light engulfed the vehicle. I heard the sound of breaking glass, and that's all I remember for about 39 minutes. 
Johnson had collided with the unknown object and was knocked unconscious. When authorities arrived at the scene soon after, they found many things out of place. Observing the scene before them, officers found themselves left with many more questions than they had answers. It was said that Johnson was found slumped over the steering wheel of his vehicle when police found him, and that he was unconscious. But according to Val, he had actually regained consciousness by this time, and actually radioed for assistance giving his current location. I, I woke up, uh, I was sitting sideways in the road, uh, I called for assistance at 2.19 a.m., and stated that uh, I was unsure of what exactly had happened, but I needed assistance, and I gave my location. When help came, response personnel found his vehicle turned sideways in the ditch at the end of about 800 feet of skid marks left on the road. Well, the car was uh, sideways in the road, upright. Uh, I opened my one eye. My eyes were very painful at that time. I opened one eye, and I noticed that the red rectangular engine light was lighted, which would denote that the engine had quit, but the key was still in the operating position. And uh, that's all that I can recall uh, seeing at that time. An ambulance transported Johnson to a hospital in Warren, where doctors determined he sustained burns on both of his eyes. Now, these burns were later compared to those like what welders get from staring at sparks or a bright flame from their projects. Uh, dental records afterwards would later indicate also that Johnson's dental bridge had been broken at his gum line. As hard as he tried, Johnson wasn't able to remember anything from the previous 40 minutes. Damage to Val Johnson's vehicle was also very strange in itself. Investigation came to find that the vehicle's two antennas were bent at strange angles, one of them at 90 degrees and the other one at 45 degrees. The windshield was also damaged. It was cracked in a spot right in front of where Johnson had been sitting. In most collision cases, something like this would be obvious, as drivers usually launch forward and hit their head on the windshield. But investigators were puzzled in the end, as it was determined this crack in the glass wasn't caused from either the interior or even the exterior of the vehicle. Other damage included that one headlight was shattered, as well as one of the emergency lights that sat on the roof of the patrol car. Another odd result from this encounter was that it was discovered that both Johnson's wristwatch, as well as the patrol car's clock, had appeared to have stopped for exactly 14 minutes when he was found. Marshall County Police investigated the incident and eventually concluded, regardless of the strange circumstances, that the collision was a result of an accident. No further conclusion of any kind was determined. What could have happened to Deputy Sheriff Val Johnson the night of August 27, 1979? What was that object that he saw that supposedly collided with his vehicle that night so many years ago? It didn't take long for the theories and explanations to start pouring in. You know, I think that's a good spot for a break, don't you? Here's another winning submission from my microfiction contest. At this present dark from Twitter is no stranger to these contests. He's submitted before, and he's here again. Please enjoy, listeners. We thought it was a new phenomenon. Stars filling the sky in greater and greater number. NASA thought they were red dwarf stars ejected from a black hole. 
light years away. But they were wrong. They weren't stars. They weren't light years away. And they had begun falling to Earth. Congratulations for being featured again, buddy. All right, real talk here. Have you ever had something strange happen to you that maybe you can't completely explain? A true paranormal story. I've had a couple of strange things happen in my house. Uh, For a while, my wife and I kept finding random cupboards open. We'd close them securely only to find them open again later in that day. From time to time, I would hear footsteps coming up from the basement. Just slow, creaking, coming up from by our back door. Apparently, we weren't the only ones. Some of our guests would tell us about strange things that they would hear or see when they would stay over. Does any of this sound familiar? Maybe you have a true paranormal story of your own. Connect with us. We'd love to hear it. True Paranormal Story is a segment that we are adding to our podcast on our off weeks to feature listener stories of the strange and unexplained. Email Nikki at trueparanormalstory at gmail.com with yours today. It could be shared on the podcast. That's trueparanormalstory at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you about your stories. Welcome back. So, as in every episode, we have a feature fictional story in an audio drama form to sort of drive home the idea or topic of each episode in an entertaining way. Because tonight's topic covers UFOs, I was on the lookout for a good story to fit the theme. Tonight's story is called, There's Something in the Cornfield Next to My House. It was written by Blair Daniels and performed by Dan McCollum and Stella Brewster. Enjoy. At 3 a.m., I jolted awake to a sound outside. That was unusual for our Ohio farmhouse. We were surrounded in every direction by vast fields of corn miles from the nearest neighbor, and I'd know if we left the gate open, or if one of Madison's toys was out. I'd done my nightly check of the backyard about a thousand times. But as I lay there, still under the blankets, The noise continued. Snap, snap, snap. I ran to the window and threw back the curtains. The corn stretched out as far as the eye could see, rippling and churning like some great dark ocean. It stopped just short of Madison's swing set, casting long shadows onto the grass that nearly reached the back door. Snap, snap. The stalks shifted and swayed, shaking the husks so hard they threatened to fall. David, there's something out there. Probably just a raccoon. He slurred, pulling the covers over his head. That's bigger than a raccoon. Look at it. The corn rippled and roiled, as if something large was moving underneath. What if there's someone out there? I'm going to check the locks. You already checked them a million times like you do every night. He groaned. Just go back to sleep. 
I didn't listen. I opened the door and stepped out of the room. No. At the end of the hall, Madison's door was hanging open. Maddie? I called, my voice shaking. And then I got the terrible feeling that only a parent knows. Something's terribly wrong. Sinking, paralyzing, throbbing in your chest as you try to tell yourself she's okay, don't freak out, I'm sure she's fine. But she wasn't fine. The bed was empty. Madison! I ran out of the back door into the yard. Madison, where are you? I screamed out into the night. The corn was still. Now that I was out there, I saw the evidence. Little bare footprints in the mud leading up to the cornfield's edge. Where they disappeared, the corn was slightly trampled. Two stalks leaned in opposite directions, as if forcefully pushed apart. Madison! I screamed as loud as I could, but I was met with only silence. David stumbled out after me. She must have went out in the corner to explore something. We'll find her, he said, his tone barely convincing. He pulled out his phone, turned on the flashlight, and squeezed himself between the leaning stalks. Hey, Maddie? Hey, Maddie! He yelled, with panic trembling his voice. I took a deep breath and squeezed in after him. The corn scratched my body. My legs were shaking so badly, every step threatened to send me tumbling into the mud. The white orb of David's flashlight hovered a few feet in front of me. But other than that, the cornfield was pitch black. I was about to collapse with panic when the corn thinned out. And then, we were in what appeared to be some sort of clearing or crop circle. The corn had been trampled into the ground in a small circle roughly ten feet in diameter. In the center stood Madison, facing away from us. Madison! I screamed. She didn't turn around. David was frozen, staring at her back, the flashlight shaking in his hand. Are you okay? Madison! I turned her around. No. I was staring at a blank face. A face made of burlap. A brown wig was stuck on top with safety pins. And Elsa's shirt was stretched over the bloated waist of the straw. The bottoms, patterned pink fair aisle, were put on backwards. I began to shake. Those are the pajamas I put her to bed in. My voice cracked. She wanted the My Little Pony ones, but they were dirty and... What kind of sicko would do something like this? David said, his panic boiling into anger. He pulled out his phone and began dialing 911. Snap, snap, snap. The corn shook and shivered all around us. Shadows, slowly coalescing between the stalks, surrounded us in a ring of black. And then, before I could react, a hand shot out between the dark stalks. It grabbed David by the arm. He lost his balance and toppled backwards, his phone flying to the ground. Ah! David! A cold hand latched onto my waist. I was yanked into the corn. My back hit the cold mud. The corn scratched and poked at my sides. Get off me! I screamed, squatting blindly at the stalks. Black slowly faded into hues of indigo and gray as my eyes adjusted to the darkness. 
and then I could see them. Interrupting the vertical pattern of the corn stalks, there were several short shadows standing over me. Then the whispers started, hissing, hurried whispers that seemed to generate the very wind that blew through the stalks. The corn shivered and shook, and then a heavy silence filled the air. I tried to scream, but quickly realized one of them had tied something over my mouth. 911, what's your emergency? A tinny voice, breaking through the silence. I pulled my neck up, and through the stalks I saw the white light of the phone glowing against the trampled corn. I tried to scream through the gag. It didn't work. A similar grunt several feet away from me rung out in the night. David. A low rumbling sound filled the air. The corn shook above me, harder than I'd seen it all night, stretching and swaying, stalks wildly crashing into each other. And as the voice continued, 911, hello, what's your emergency? A loud rush, like an airplane flying right overhead, filled my ears. I looked up just in time to see the lights, red, purple, and green, blinking in an odd, asynchronous pattern. The scarecrow, wearing Maddie's clothes, was enveloped in a white light. And then, the deafening <laughs> it was yanked up into the night. I looked back at my captors. In the strange, flashing lights, their faces were illuminated, and I saw they weren't terrors, monsters, or murderers. They were children. Horribly disfigured children. Some were missing noses. Others had long scars running straight down their faces, as if someone had split open their heads to explore what was inside. Quite a few were missing ears, and one had no teeth. All of them had a profound sadness in their eyes, except for the one to my left, who had no eyes. But they were also smiling, just a little. As the light disappeared, and the faces faded back into the shadows, the hands on me loosened. The gag fell away. The shadows receded into the corn. Except for one. Mommy! Snap, snap. With a squeal, two warm arms wrapped around my waist. Maddie. Oh my god, Maddie! I began to sob, hugging her tighter than I ever have in my life. Are you okay? And Maddie? The broken, hopeful voice of David sounded to my left. Crunch, crunch. He ran over to us. I'm fine, Daddy. Let's get out of here, he said, grabbing both our hands and yanking us back through the corn. We ran back into the house, locking the doors and calling the police. Madison was in a different set of clothes, one's dirty, smudged with mud and riddled with holes, but she was smiling, safe, and happy. They saved me, Mommy, she kept saying, tugging on my arm. The bad men were going to get me. But they tricked them. As the police were taking our statements, as the sun was cresting over the corn, Maddie stood at the back door. Bye-bye, she said, waving wildly at the cornfield. Alright, getting back to the Val Johnson incident. Now let's talk about what happened after the incident. The very next day, a ufologist from the Center of UFO Studies, also known as SUFOS, in Illinois, Alan Hendry, 
arrived in Warren to investigate. Hendry, who was a well-known chief investigator of UFO and aerial phenomenon in the 70s, had personally investigated over 1,000 UFO reports. Though Hendry was usually able to find a rational or a mundane explanation for many of the cases, he was known as a skeptic, he was unable to explain the strange circumstances surrounding what was now becoming known as the Val Johnson incident publicly. In 1980, Alan Hendry would later debate this incident with a well-known debunker of UFO incidents, a man by the name of Philip Klass, at a symposium held at the Smithsonian Institution. This case made its way into history as one of the top 10 most influential UFO encounters in history, according to Jerome Clark, a UFO and paranormal researcher and writer who wrote and compiled the book in 1998, The UFO Encyclopedia. Now, here's an interesting thing. That vehicle, the squad car that Val Johnson was driving that night, it was a Rust Brown 1977 Ford LTD. It was to be taken in by officials, repaired, and eventually returned to the fleet for further use. But what happened instead is that it is now preserved and on display in the Marshall County Museum, and is also shown annually at the Marshall County Fair. After that incident in 1979, the case thrust Johnson into national media, turning him into a local legend. Newspapers and the magazines covered the case nationwide, and paranormal television shows reenacted the encounter all over the world. He even appeared on Good Morning America. People spoke about it for years. People would show up on his front porch with questions and theories. They'd wanted to discuss their thoughts with a man who experienced the strange object in the middle of the night. His phone rang off of the hook. It drove his family crazy. But eventually, as most things do, the hype died down and Johnson was able to get back to living a normal life. In fact, he currently resides in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, as a proud grandparent living a quiet life. People don't call him about the case anymore, or ask him about the incident that made him famous. But if you ask him what his thoughts and opinions are on the case, he'll tell you he isn't sure. In his opinion, the strange lights he saw along 220 wasn't alien by any means, but he won't rule that out completely. According to Johnson, the incident is simply something that cannot be explained. This is Deputy Val Johnson and his wife, Roseanne, everybody. Val, since that incredible experience that has shocked us all, have you had any other experiences, any, any other close encounters? No, sir, no. Had you had any before this? No, no, this is the uh, first one. Well, how has it changed your life? Well, it's, uh, it's uh, brought our family unit, unit closer together. Uh, we... Because it scared everybody so much, you mean? Well, there was a lot of people confused about it and a lot of uh, unusual stories that came out about it. Uh, but uh, it's uh, brought us closer together as a family unit. Was it a religious experience for you? Many times the, these events are, are a religious experience. Upon reflection afterwards, it's been about six months now, upon reflection, uh, we've kind of come to the uh, conclusion that uh, perhaps the Creator has made other things that we can't readily see or readily identify, and perhaps this is one of the things we encountered out in the road. Certainly a humbling experience. Thank you, Roseanne and Val, for sharing your feelings about your experience with us. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Our final winning microfiction piece of the evening is from Carolyn Ferguson Petalco. Carolyn was our first place winner of our UFO alien contest for this episode. I hope you enjoy this piece. I turned 70 today. I don't have much time left. I've known this day was coming since I was 20. They came every 10 years like clockwork. They found me no matter where I tried to hide. Poking and prodding. Creepy, small-headed, long-armed creatures. Confident that soon I'd be ready. Ready to put on their menu as prime, aged human flesh. If you'd like to get in on next month's episode for a chance at some sweet prizes, or to just have your story featured here, here's what you need to know. Utilizing a maximum of 280 characters, now that includes spaces and punctuation, kids, submit your story via social media or email me at whispersinthenightpodcast at gmail.com. And here's your topic. It's the Slender Man. Now I'm I'm going to pause here for a dramatic effect. <laughs> you have until January 26th at 11:59 p.m. Central Standard Time to submit. Winners will be announced on January 28th. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the show. It was really awesome to have you here yet again. If you like what I do and would like to support the show, I'll leave links in the show notes and description for you to check out. Now remember to write in to True Paranormal Story if you have a paranormal story that you'd like to share with the world regarding any paranormal, strange, or supernatural experiences of your own. We'll feature your experience publicly, or if you choose anonymously, for our upcoming segment. That's trueparanormalstory at gmail.com. You can also join in on the social community We talk about all sorts of creepy topics online by finding Whispers in the Night on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Tell your friends and family about us. I'll see you there. Tonight's show was written, mixed, and produced by me. Soren Narnia of Knife Point Horror voices the show's intro, and the show's theme is written by John Ryder, my brother, of the band Plastic Me. Special thanks again to Catherine Nikolai for the show opener. I tell you, I listen to her podcast, Nothing Much Happens, Bedtime Stories for Grownups, every night to get to sleep. One night, as I was beginning to just drift off to sleep from her incredibly peaceful and calming voice, I had the most dastardly idea, and I had to turn it into the opening for this episode. Didn't you like it? I'd love to hear all about it. Just let me know. Thanks also to Blair Daniels for allowing me to use her piece, There's Something in the Cornfields Next to My House, which was performed once again by Dan McCollum and Stella Brewster. Besides this show, Blair's work has also been featured on the No Sleep podcast, and she also has her works in several books that you can find provided in the show's notes, or by going to blair-daniels.com. And mostly, thank you my horrific listeners for tuning in once again. I appreciate it so much. It is because of you that this podcast does and will continue to exist. You have my complete gratitude. 
Until next episode, good night.